Hey everybody, welcome to this month's version of Metal Misconduct. I'm Brian Segel from Metal Blade Records, and as always, we have with us Sean Rourke from NHL.com, the newly updated NHL.com. Sean, how are you? Yep. Yes, yes. Ryan, it's been a long time since we've chatted. I've missed you greatly. I know. We, we about last month. The, the, both of our schedules got a little bit wacky, and we had to uh, give you a replay last month, last month, but this is a brand new one. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to talk some hockey, as we like to do on this program, as well as some metal. But I just want to just, I just want on the record that before the season, when we made our NHL predictions, that I predicted the Florida Panthers were going to make the playoffs. Sean Work did not predict that they would make the playoffs. So we're going to talk some... Uh, last time I hope the season's not over, but I think you're going to be right on it. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to talk some Florida Panthers hockey with their radio play-by-play guy, Doug... I'm going to screw this name up. Doug Plagans, right? Yes, sir. Doug, how are you? Doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me. So did you, going into this season, expect that the Panthers would be this good? I think going into the season, everybody knew that they had a great mix. And obviously, this was the most improved team in the National Hockey League from a season ago. Even though they fell short of the playoffs last year, um, they were the most improved team in the league. And uh, going into this season, the expectation was that this team is good enough to make the playoffs and not only do that, but make some noise once they get there. They're a heck of a hockey team. And, you know, going into the season, people knew they had a lot of great young players who were ready to take that next step. When you look at uh, Alexander Barkov and Aaron Ekblad, Jonathan Huberdeau, uh, Nick Bukestad, you can go right down the list. And then when you have the veteran guys who have seen what it takes to win in the National Hockey League, when you have guys like Brian Campbell and Roberto Luongo and Willie Mitchell, the captain, even though he's been out with an injury lately. And, you know, you go down the list, other uh, quality veteran guys who've been great examples, Yarmir Yager, Derek McKenzie, Sean Thornton. Um, you know, these are these are great guys that the, the young guys could learn from. Going into the season, I think uh, I think the team knew that they had the potential to go out there and make some noise. And, and uh, as this season's gone along, they've proven that they're, uh, they're a first-place team for a reason. They've been playing great hockey. And really, since, uh, since the calendar flipped to December, this has been one of the best teams in the NHL. And I, I would imagine, you know, having been around that team for, uh, for a little bit here and there, the, not only has the team started to believe, but the fans have started to believe the atmosphere there is completely different in the last 12 to 14 months than it's been in a long time. Oh, there was there was buzz going into the season, as I mentioned. This team had a good finish last year. They were the most improved team in the league last year. Attendance was up uh, going into the season. But since this team's really gone on a roll, you know, we came into the season with buzz, and that buzz has done nothing but grow. And, you know, we've had some, some huge crowds here recently, and, uh, you know, just uh, over 20,000 just uh, for the game, the Saturday night game against the Penguins about uh, 10 days ago or so. Um, you know, had close to 16,000 last night when Pittsburgh was in town for a 2-1 Panthers shootout win over the Penguins. So, um, you know, the, the buzz has been great. The crowds have been great. And, uh, and it's, it's really been, uh, been, a, been a great sight to see as this team's taken that, uh, that next step out on the ice. Now, see, I think it, it is partially due to all of those things that you list there. But I also think that it's the metal quotient in Florida for the Panthers is very, very high. You've got Yarmir Yager, who's a metal guy, who I introduced to Metallica very long ago. 
you've got Good Branson, who's a big metal guy, and you've got the radio play-by-play guy is a big metal guy. So that's three. You might have three more than most NHL teams have. So I think the metal quotient <laughs> there is spurring them on as well. Well, I think uh, I certainly don't think that can hurt. And uh, you know, Eric Branson and I, we found some common ground very early in the season talking about uh, talking about the music that we listened to, and it was uh, it was cool to pick his brain about that. And you know, here's some of the shows that he's gone to, and some of the bands that he listened to, and um, you know, it, uh, it just gets you it gets you fired up. And uh, you know, that's a lot of times that's what I can be found uh, listening to as well. And I'm, I'm uh, you know, going back to like middle school, high school, I was a, a punk rock guy to start, but as I've gotten older, I've incorporated more of the, uh, more of the metal and, and hardcore stuff into my, into my uh, repertoire. And, you know, if you flip on my iPod, it's uh, going to be a good chance. It's going to be something heavy, which is, uh, which is certainly, certainly makes things better in my mind. Now, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Eric's more of a kind of a hardcore kid. Is that right? Uh, Eric Eric Branson does like uh, he does listen to some hardcore. We've talked about that. He he's a he's a Madball guy. He told me he's really into Parkway Drive right now, which is cool. I really like Parkway Drive. That's been a band that I've listened to quite a bit. Um, you know, we so we we've talked a lot about the the shows that we've gone to. Uh, you know, lately and some of the stuff that we've seen. But uh, yeah, like I said, early on in the season, he and I talked about the. Uh, we started talking about music, and it was it was cool to uh, be able to have somebody to. To bounce the, uh, you know, hey, I've been listening to this lately. What have you been listening to off of those kind of conversations? Now, Yager is more of an old school metal guy, and obviously he's a massive Metallica fan. I, I imagine you've probably not had too many conversations with him about music. We we haven't talked about music, but uh, you know, now maybe I'll have to bring it up. But uh, but I think I've heard that as well that uh, that he's into that he's into some of the uh, you know older metal. But maybe I'll have to bring that up soon. Yeah, we uh, we've I've talked about this ad nauseum on the show, but one of my greatest moments of all time, the merging of the of my two worlds, hockey and metal. But back in when Metallica was doing the Load record, so it's a long story. That but basically, I, w- I was able to take Yager and I think it was, it was Yager, Chris Tamer, and somebody else to into the studio to meet Metallica because Yager was a huge Metallica fan. So they all got to hang out, and the Metallica guys were super into it, so they became friends. And then this uh, at spring training, by the way, another component to the massive amount of metal within the Florida Panthers organization is our good friend and the guy who's been on this podcast more than anybody else, Mike McKenna, who is the Panthers goaltender up in yeah. up in Providence, who is one of the biggest metal guys of all time. So I had uh, dinner with him uh, during training camp, and I told him the Yager story. He's like, I'm going to try to talk to Yager about that. I'm like, all right, go ahead. So he, he said the next day he talked to Yager about stuff, and he told him the whole story, and Yager goes to him in typical Yager fashion. He goes, that sounds possible. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, uh, we've also uh, Kill Switch Engage is another band that uh, that Eric France and I have both uh, have we both have a common enjoyment for, and uh, and obviously their drummer Justin's a big Panthers fan as well. So, uh, you know, that's another band that we uh, that we listen to, we talk about quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to add that in too because yeah, Justin Foley, the drummer from Kill Switch, just moved down to Florida not too long ago, and he has he's immersed himself in Florida. South Florida culture by becoming a massive Florida Panthers fan. So I know that you guys have hung out and, and he's met Eric and stuff. So that's awesome. Oh yeah, he's a great guy, and uh, and I like the sound of their new stuff too. The the new tracks that they've uh, that they put out online, I really like those. But also even cooler that he's uh, he's a big Panthers supporter. Yeah, they have a new album I think coming out in early March. Yeah, yeah March eleventh. Yep, March 11th, two weeks before the Amon Marth record, which comes out March 25th. Plug, plug, plug. 
Speaking of hockey fans, I'm on a monster Johans, another huge hockey fan. Yeah, but he's more of a Washington Caps guy. Although the Caps, they uh, we went to a game with Johan a couple weeks ago, and the Caps, uh, the Caps media and uh, their in-game guys are huge metalheads. So they took the brand new Amana Marth track and played it uh, at the game that we were at, which is which is pretty nice. So we you gotta you gotta do some work on your uh, Panthers in-game people that play some more metal. Down there. <laughs> hey, we can always. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely float the idea. No question about that. So now. Obviously, the attendance down there has been an interesting thing. And I, you know, people ask me about because you know I live in Los Angeles where we also have pretty fickle fans. But now that the team's doing pretty well, the last few games I've noticed have been pretty packed down there. I, I'm guessing that's much more fun for you guys to have a full house than not. Oh, the buzz! Like I said, the buzz has been awesome, and it's uh, it's really grown. And and you know, this uh, the the team uh, really had to. You know, the team was in kind of a kind of a rebuilding phase, and, and this is my first season here. And uh, you know, I think it goes hand in hand. Uh, obviously, the new ownership with Vinny Viola and Doug Stepu here, they've done a heck of a job, and this is just a, a great place to be. Like I said, this is my first first year with the organization, and uh, you know, wake up every morning thankful for the opportunity. So. Um, you know, they've, they've made this a great place to work. It's, it's a great place to be a Florida Panther on and off the ice right now. And I think, um, you know, with the, the progress that the team has made, the progress that uh, has been made over on the, on the business side of the operation, I think the fans have been able to, to feel all ends of that. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been able to, like I said, see that buzz continue to grow since the season started. And since the team's been playing even better, we've seen our, our crowds have been, uh, been fantastic lately. And, uh, you know, the, our season ticket renewal numbers were, were well up over 90% and our, you know, new season ticket holders were up among the, you know, highest totals in the National Hockey League. So, um, you know, all the, like I said, even though on the ice we're seeing a first place team, that's a first place team for a reason, but uh, off the ice on the business side, we're seeing great strides being made as well. And, uh, you know, a lot of that stems from our, our leadership with our ownership and our executive chairman, Peter Luco, who's done a lot of great things in the business. And, you know, all the way down through the organization and the guys on the ice, Dale Talon and, and Gerard Gallant, his coaching staff, have all done a heck of a job on the ice with the, uh, or done a heck of a job with the personnel on the ice. So, um, you know, everything's just taking that next stride at the same time, and it's it's really been cool to see. You know, you mentioned that it's your first year in Florida, and, you know, anybody that kind of gets into this business, whatever side it's on, radio, TV, writing, one of the things that you always want and you always dream about is a chance to see history and 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 to be about to be a part of something that you know people are going to remember for a long time. You kind of stepped into that with your Yager. Yaga. I mean, he's he's a living legend. You know, he's two goals away from tying Brett Hall for number three on the uh, on the all time list. Has a chance to get probably all the way to right below Gretzky. Um, what's what's that? process been like for you to, to kind of step into that and, and know every night you're witnessing something that people are going to talk about for a long time? Well, I think as, as soon as I got the job, number one, you know, one of the first things I thought of was, you know, how cool it is that, you know, we get to, that I get to see Yarmir Yager every, every step of the way. And, you know, every game, um, you know, up in the broadcast booth, we've, we've all got uh, our all-time rankings lists with, uh, you know, all the all the totals that you're all the, a bunch of different record charts that Yager is climbing up every game. Seems like he's hitting different milestones, coming close to different records every night. Same thing with Roberto Luongo as far as the all time goaltending uh, numbers are concerned. But with Yarmir Yager, I mean, this is a guy that, um, first of all, you know, growing up, you always wanted to have his hockey card and stuff like that. So going way back, this is the guy that, 
I've always admired on the ice. And, and I think, uh, you know, you, you always knew that not only is this one of the best hockey players of the last, uh, you know, of all time, but this is one of the greatest athletes that we're ever going to see. I mean, the way he, the, the total skill set he brings to the table with his ability to control the puck and his ability to, you know, the vision he has on the ice and the strength he has and the size he has. I mean, he's one of the best of all time. And to see him still doing what he's doing, he's tied for the Panthers' uh, leading points. It's, it's incredibly impressive. And, um, you know, just to, to, you know how good of a player he is just from watching him on TV. But then uh, with the situation that I've been in where I can see him go about his business every single day, it, it gives you even more appreciation when you see his dedication, his focus and just how hard he works at his craft every day. And it's, it's no wonder that even at age 44, he turned 44 yesterday, it's no wonder that he's still one of the best in the world at, the, at what he does. And, and you know, I've mentioned Roberto Luongo, but the same thing can be said for him. You see him on TV, you watch him, you watch his games, you might go see him play in person. Uh, you can see that he's, you know, that he's an all-world goalie. But then when you can see him day-to-day, game to game, see how he prepares, see how focused he is and how dedicated he is and, and how much work he does in his game. Uh, you know, it's, it's no wonder why he's still one of the best in the business at, uh, at age 36. Well, I love the Yager stuff because I'm a huge Penguins fan and I've been a massive Yager fan and kind of even when he was going through his not so great years in the NHL was always supporting him and obviously meeting him a couple times and hanging out with him talking music and hockey. He's a great guy and it's I'm glad he's finally getting his due coming back to the NHL. Imagine if he wasn't if he didn't leave for three years. I mean, he would he probably never catch Gretzky, but he would be pretty close. So. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's only eight points back of Gordie Howe on the points list right now, and uh, he's only, like you said, two goals back of uh, of uh, Brett Hall for third on the all-time goals list. So seems like every night he's uh, he's climbing the charts in some category or setting some new milestone. So now you said this is your first year for the, with the Florida Panthers. So how does one become the Florida Panthers radio play-by-play guy? Well, uh, I guess the long and short of it, uh, my goal, well, you know, like the players, has always been to get to the NHL, but to do it as a broadcaster and um you know my my first job was uh my first full-time job i was the radio voice of the idaho steelheads in the echl that was my first job so that would have been the 08 09 season that was the my first full-time job and uh you know since then i've been in idaho i did some time as a tv sports anchor in youngstown ohio with uh, three different stations under one roof there i did the last Four years before this season, I was uh, I did the radio and TV for the Lake Erie Monsters of the American Hockey League and uh, the Cleveland Gladiators of the Arena Football League. And it was actually this uh, this off season would have been in August. I was actually at a practice for uh, our Arena Football League team in Cleveland, and I was scrolling on Twitter and uh, found saw that Randy Moeller was moving from Panthers Radio over to TV to be an analyst on Fox Sports Florida for Panthers Telecasts. So I wondered if there would be a, an opening on the radio side, and sure enough, they posted the position. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I always have, uh, you know, a portfolio of my demo materials ready and, you know, for, to, to send off if that opportunity were to arise. And, uh, you know, I sent off my stuff and, you know, had some conversations and, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to get the get the position. And like I said, so thankful to the uh, Panthers every day for the opportunity that, uh, that they've given me. So that's kind of a nutshell version of, of how things came to be. Where where did the interest with broadcasters start, though? 
you know, for so many people, like when I grew up, that's what I wanted to do too until I went into the journalism business part of the written journalism business. Part of that was the accent I had from growing up in New England. But my first love in, in all sports, mostly baseball and hockey, was listening to the radio and listening to Bruins games on the radio and Red Sox games on the radio. That that was always what I thought I'd want to do. But what was your kind of your introduction into knowing that you wanted to be on the broadcast side? Same kind of thing. I grew up in the Detroit area, so some of my earliest memories are watching Red Wings games on TV and, and hearing them on the radio. And um, obviously, with, uh, with when I was growing up, Dave Strader was doing the TV for the Red Wings, and, and Bruce Martin was doing the radio. Both of which are, you know, legendary, uh, you know, very household names in terms of uh, in terms of broadcasting. And uh, you know, grew up hearing those guys. And I mean, I wanted to be in the in the broadcasting world from the time that I was about seven years old and uh first thing I wanted to do is be a weatherman didn't like science very much so uh you know tossed that idea aside pretty quickly but uh, I was always drawn to sports played hockey my whole life growing up and uh you know then I went to went to college uh, a small d3 school just north of Chicago Lake Forest College they had a campus radio station so started doing some doing some talk shows and from the time I was a freshman all the way through I did a did three hours a week I think it was three hours a week I did uh, I did a ska show just played ska three hours a three hours a day for you know once a week and big ska guy and uh, you know then eventually started calling the hockey games they had a d3 team uh, NCAA d3 team and it was really the best best situation to learn because there wasn't a commercial station called doing the games. It was a, it was a, you know, campus station, a D3 program, and they were happy that somebody wanted to do it. And then the, the student who did it before me, he's actually, uh, Brian Ray, he actually calls games in the American Hockey League right now. So for a small school to have a couple of guys back to back lined up with uh, professional jobs down the road is, is pretty cool. But, uh, the, the guys before me were able to start a little bit of a tradition of, um, having the hockey games podcast on the campus station, and I took over, and I did the games my uh, junior and senior years, and that was really where I had learned, you know, what I was doing. I, I should go back and listen to those tapes because I'm sure they're, uh, sure they're, you know, not the greatest. But uh, like I said, that was that was where I kind of cut my teeth in it, and uh, and realized it was something I really wanted to pursue. Well, I hope you're playing a lot of mighty mighty Boston's on those shows. Oh, they, I think uh, the Boston's were in there at least once a show. They, I don't think they ever missed a show. Good. That's a good man. Yeah, they're, they're good friends of mine. They're great, great guys. And big hockey fans, by the way. Of course, they like the Bruins. But Now, I would love to keep talking forever, but uh, our friend Doug here has a pressing engagement, which we must let him go to, which is he's going to see Bruce Springsteen tonight. Yeah, I've never seen Bruce Springsteen before, and I've always wanted to, and uh, haven't really had the opportunity just you know because of schedules and just haven't been able to make it happen but tonight uh tonight we're going to be able to make it happen so i can cross uh, bruce springsteen off the concert bucket list tonight uh, never never had a chance to see the boss but the tickets are right here and about to pull into the uh, bb and t center here in sunrise florida and, uh, and check this out that's well we will let you go so, do that so if people you have a long time oh yeah <laughs> it'll be a long it's, night it's a long- so I've heard, he, I've heard he plays for quite a while. Yeah, it'll be three yeah, hours at it's least. Amazing. So if people want to follow you up on social media, you are on there, yes, sir? Yep, at Doug Plagans. That's D-O-U-G-P-L-A-G-E-N-S. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Doug Plagans. And uh, like you said, you can always listen to the Panthers games. You can find out the uh, broadcast time stations on FloridaPanthers.com. And 
Um, you know, or just by following along with me on Twitter or by following at FLA Panthers on Twitter, you can always find out where to tune in. So, uh, you know, like, like I said, always, uh, always look forward to uh, hearing from you folks on Twitter and, um, yeah, just give me, uh, give me a shout on there. Absolutely, especially all you metalheads. You've got another metalhead involved with hockey. We're unearthing them every single day. Are you uh, Are you going to be around for the Iron Maiden show next week? That's a possibility. We'll see on that one. It's uh, TBD. All right. <clears throat> Fair enough. Well, we'll let you watch the boss. Thanks again for doing this. Sean and I are going to stay on and discuss the current NHL season thus far and how my picks are killing and Sean's are not. So there you go. That was Doug Plagans, the radio play-by-play guy for the Florida Panthers. Good guy, big-time metalhead, which we always like. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't keep him on for the entire show because he has to go see Bruce Springsteen. I guess we can't blame him for that, right, Sean? No, you can't blame him for that. We'll have to have a return engagement and uh, pick his brain about music some more. So now I have to ask, I have a question for you, actually, Mr. Rourke. Okay. So those of you that follow the NHL, which I'm imagining are most of you listening to this, hopefully, uh, if you've been to their website lately, it's a whole new updated website. So out of the blue, this has happened. What? Uh, so you're in charge over there. So what was the cause for the change? I, first of all, I'm far from in charge, <laughs> but uh, thank you. Thank you for suggesting such. Um the, the changes is part of the whole new um, partnership that we entered into uh, over the summer with uh, Major League Baseball Advanced Media, and uh, it's kind of there. Uh, they did the redesign, and uh, you know, a, a lot of it was to do with the app and, and uh, mobile because more and more traffic is uh, being generated through those uh, avenues and then the broadband. Uh, but the broadband is also updated to kind of reflect some of the. Uh, some of the trends uh, that, that we're seeing now. And, you know, we, we launched it mid-season. They were done as fast as possible once the deal was announced, like I said, at the beginning of the season, I think uh, uh, sometime around October. And, um, you know, it, it's uh, it obviously change is uh, difficult for a lot of people, and there's there's been some feedback, both positive and negative. I think just like taking uh, leaps and bounds and uh, moving forward as we get some of that feedback and, and, and we deal with it. And, um, you know, the the video and the, the gameplay is, is fantastic. It's HD quality now where it necessarily wasn't uh, in the past and it, it's served in a much smoother manner and, and those things are huge. And, and I think some of the story presentation is... Uh, is um, much better. The navigation is a little tricky because we've had the same site for so long, especially for somebody, a, a super user like you or myself who uses it all the time. I know exactly how to get to where I want to go everywhere on the site, and now that's not the case. It takes a little getting used to. So um, hopefully it's going to grow on everybody, and it's, it's moving us into the 21st century, and uh, that's always a good thing. Yeah, it did, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it did take a while to, uh, to get through some of it. The... the uh the, I will say the mobile app is definitely better. I, I, that's easier to navigate now. But the website was a little tricky, especially the the schedule. It took me a while to figure out that there was some weird-looking calendar thing I had to click to get more than 10 games. So I was yeah. like trying to figure yeah, out my schedule to try to see NHL games, and I couldn't find it. I, was going, I had to go to the ESPN site to find the NHL schedule at that point. You got to call me, man. Well, I don't want to bother you. You're a busy guy. I, was, I want I want instant gratification. I want to know it now. I'm like I don't want to call somebody, so wait for an email, wait for a text. Yeah, Masala, you got to figure it out. You're good. So 
Yeah, I mean, some of those things, you know, look, as those things happen, we notice them too. We talk with the developers, and, you know, we get things reintroduced back onto the site. When it, when it first launched, there was a little bit of trouble finding some of the game sheets, and that's a big thing for all the writers, and that's the community I'm in, you know. We couldn't find the sheets with the with the play-by-play -play or with the with the lines or, or whatever it might be. They were difficult to find, and, you know, we, we mentioned that, and they were brought back to a more prominent position, and... You know, like I said, it's going to be some feedback, and I think as we get into, you know, longer into this process, the the resources are going to catch up, and and the the product is going to be even better. I mean, this is this is just the beginning of what's a long term relationship, and you know, they they've also taken over the network, and I think anybody that watches the network knows that the product is better than it was in the past. Um, and like I said, it's all part of a, a strategic partnership that's going to, you know, move the whole product further forward than perhaps it was in, in the past. Although I do have to admit, I hate NHL Top Shelf. It was very confusing to me because I'm watching on the fly, which is one of my favorite things to do. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing highlights from other games, from other days that weren't that night. And it was very confusing. They seem to have, at least, they didn't back announce it. It just appeared out of nowhere. Now they're announcing it a little bit better. But if you're going to show highlights, please don't show me highlights of other games that evening. Or make it very clear that this is the week's highlights. So that was annoying. But again, man, things are smoothing out as they go along, and, and feedback's always good because that's how you uh, that, that's how you improve the product and, and uh, make it suit as many people's needs as humanly possible. Okay, at least at least you're listening to the feedback. That makes me feel better because sometimes people change things and they don't listen to feedback, and it gets maddening. But uh, so no, no, the, the feedback's being listened to at least by me, Brian. So I'm looking actually as we speak uh, at the NHL. The new NHL app on my phone. Hey, one thing I will say, by the way, I just got, I just upgraded to the new Apple TV, the upgraded Apple TV, which in and of itself has its own problems. But the quality of NHL TV now, it's not Game Center Live, but NHL TV on the new Apple TV, the, the quality is phenomenal. The quality across the board is phenomenal. This is not me pitching anything. I mean, there's, there's no denying the, the ability to serve video is taking leaps and bounds, and, and the, the game presentation, like, uh, occasionally I'd watch it on an old PlayStation 3, because that's what we have hooked up for my son, and um, if I wanted to watch it on TV, instead of on my laptop, and, and in the past, it was like watching a video game, like, it was a little slow, the buffer was a little off, and it was difficult to watch because of, of that presentation, and then once we launched the new NHL TV, right after the All-Star break, you know, I, I fired that thing up to see what it looked like, and it was a complete HD experience. Fantastic. I, so now I don't have to watch on my laptop anymore unless I choose to do that when the TV's being taken over by the rest of my family. But if I have dibs, I can just do that. And like I said, it's, it's being one of the things that's happening now is, is the rate at which the frames of video, and I'm not much of a techno geek, but the the frames that are being served per second have almost doubled, I think. It, it's some crazy number, and the it, it's true HD quality now. Yeah, it's certainly better than your cell phone signal at the moment, that is for sure. Uh, anyway, that's that's always a problem, these cell phones. So I'm looking at the standings, and you know we made we always make our predictions, and I'm looking at the Eastern Conference standings at this point, and I would say that I'm pr I was pretty right on about most of it. Of course, I, as I mentioned earlier, picked the Florida Panthers to make the playoffs. Not only are they making the playoffs, right now they are first in the Atlantic Division. 
Uh, the only thing that I think I messed up on here is I, I want to say that I, I made a bold prediction that the Buffalo Sabres might make the playoffs. That clearly is not going to happen. Uh, and I did think I said that the Penguins may not, may not make the playoffs. And if you look at today, they're out. But, uh, you know, that's obviously to be continued. Any surprises aside from the Panthers for you on the East side? Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's more of a negative than a positive. I, I, you know, the Montreal Canadiens are at the bottom of the, the standings in the East. I don't think either one of us had them out of the playoffs. I might be mistaken on that. But, oh, no, uh, definitely not. And, and I mean, obviously, it's a, a big portion of that is, is Carrie Price being hurt in for far longer than anybody originally imagined. But, uh, you know, uh, to me, that's almost unfathomable. And I, I, it would be hard to see them find their way back. Um, with the way that they're playing now, unless Terry was to come back soon and he hasn't even put on his goalie pads yet. So, you know, we're still talking another two or three weeks uh, before that would happen. And, you know, that puts us past the trade deadline. And at some point, the Canadians, like many teams that are on the bubble, are going to have to choose whether that they're going to go for it or they're going to be a seller. And it, it, to me, it's really hard in the East because, you, you know, you have the Washington Capitals who are playing at a historically good case. Nobody's won as many games as they have as fast as they have in the history of the league. The great Montreal teams, nobody's gotten to 40 wins as fast as they did um, this year. So, you know, they're the clear favorites in the East, although they don't have a great playoff pedigree, but they've been so much better than everybody else um, that, you know, it's hard to, to look at the East and not say it goes to them. But once you get done with them, there's seven, eight, nine teams that could be their opponent in the Eastern Conference Final and then say, hey, we'll take our chances in a seven-game series. I mean, you could have, you know, Pittsburgh may not be in it right now, but they're the hottest team since, you know, Mike Sullivan replaced uh, the the old coach there. Um, they're playing fantastic hockey right now. Um, you know, Boston's been up and down. Uh, the Rangers have been up and down. Like, who who's going to come out of there once you get past Washington and say, "Oh, this is the team I think will meet him in the Eastern Conference Final." So, if you're a GM, how do you, you know, how do you make that decision that you're going to buy or sell? And I think it's going to have a huge impact on the trade deadline. It seems like a lot of those deals are happening a little bit earlier than before. Like teams are, you know, the Ducks made some moves and that really helped them, and some teams are making some moves. So I'm not sure that there's going to be, you know, I could be wrong. There, could, there might be a million moves. One thing I will say where I was really horribly wrong, and I can't remember if I said it on this show or just in talking to people in general, but I was really not overly impressed by, by Carey Price. I mean, look, he's a great goaltender, but I by no means was, you know, thinking he was one of the greater goaltenders of all time and the best player in the world and all these things that people were just bestowing on him last year. But boy, you take him out of that lineup and you see how they struggle. And I guess he kind of was or is. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I played somebody the other day. And it was a, it was an unattributed quote because it would have to be. But one of the players from the team that they played said, "You should probably give Terry Price the MVP again this year, <laughs> um, because he, his worth is proved even more now." To me, Terry Price is a little bit like Marty Brodeur was in his prime when everybody looked at Marty Brodeur from the Devils and said, "You know what? He's not that great a goalie. They play this way. He doesn't see a lot of shots. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that." And then, fortunately for the Devils, except for one short period when he tore his uh, when he tore his biceps, and that was late in his career. During the prime of his career, they never missed him for more than a few games, and, and he was a huge reason why they were perennially good 
despite the fact that they didn't have great teams uh, for a lot of that run. They did have a couple of great teams early on in his in his career, but uh, after that, he was a huge part of it. And the people that dismissed who he was and what he was never got to see because he was so durable, never got to see how much of a part of that team that he was. And I think it's the same thing for Terry Price now. I think, you know, both in the Team Canada setup with that dominant Olympic team in, in Sochi and with the Canadians who have been good for the past couple of years and have some good players on that team, whether it's P.K. Subban or, or Pacioretty. But it gets pretty thin after that, and now you're seeing how much of an influence he has on that team. You know, part of it's skill and part of it's confidence. When, when you play in front of a guy that you know can win you games and can steal games for you, you're a lot freer to do the things that you need to do, and, and you're able to play a lot different game than when you're grabbing your stick and you're looking behind you and you're saying, oh boy, this is what I have behind me, and, and you know, we have to win the game. We can't play not to lose it. We have to win it because we're not sure we're going to get that all-world save that's going to bail us out and give us the confidence to go forward and do what we need to do. Well, to be fair, our good friend, former mental misconduct guest and big-time metalhead, Ben Scrivens, has actually been playing pretty well uh, at least the yeah, last no, week or so from Montreal, so we'll see. But it's not at a tight level. And, and like Tanya, who's another goalie there, who's a great story, played in the Winter Classic for them, um, you know, and has played, started very well, has come back to earth a little bit, but they, no blame on either one of those guys, but they've gotten good goaltending where in the past they've done great goal and, and in this league, that's a huge equalizer. Now in the West, <clears throat> we also have a few surprises there. And again, I'm going to toot my horn here. I again made a very bold preseason prediction that the Arizona Coyotes would make the playoffs. Now they're not quite in yet, but they are knocking on the door. And, and certainly if, uh, fortunately they've had some injuries lately, but if they can get healthy, and I think that's the whole key with what you say about the East Coast, aside from the, even with the Caps, you know, if the Caps get some injuries, they might be in trouble. And really, whoever's probably the most healthy team that gets in the playoffs, aside from the Caps, will make it. Uh, and you could say the same for uh, for Arizona. But uh, but I guess there really aren't a whole lot of surprises in the West. I mean, Dallas is good, which we thought they would be, but maybe a little bit better than they were. Any major surprises for you? I mean, certainly the, the Ducks, who were horrible in the first part of the season, have kind of gotten it together lately. Yeah, no, they, they, they pulled it together and, and they look like they're going to be a team that nobody's going to want to play kind of in that lower half of the bracket. Because, you know, unless they make it all the way back and, and win the Pacific, um, most likely they're going to be, you know, part of that lower bracket and, and kind of have to, you know, somebody's not going to be happy in that 2-3 probably in the Pacific. If they look and say, we're the 2 and they're the 3, that doesn't, uh, that, that's not the matchup we wanted. But, uh, you know, it, it, in the West, Arizona was really good earlier in the year, and, and they're not in it now because they've hit a real bad skit. Um, but Shane Dome has been fantastic for them. I thought Shane, as much as I like him, I thought he might have been at the end of the road in his career and was kind of seeing it out. He's got 20 goals this year. He's been great for them and, and kind of let some of those kids, the Domies and the Duclairs and even Oliver Ekman watch him a little bit. Um, he's kind of led them down the path and, and taught them what it is to to be a part of uh, a team that's going to compete in the playoffs. Again, I think, for me, the biggest surprises are the teams that aren't doing well. Um, you know, I thought Calgary would come back to the pack a little bit, and, and, and they've done more than that. They, they haven't been good, and it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, I thought maybe Colorado would be better than they are, and, and they've struggled somewhat. 
Minnesota has fired their coach this week. You know, Los Angeles games went from a playoff spot to maybe not be in. And I thought that they were going to be one of the teams in, in a very deep central to get in. And then everybody thought Edmonton would be better, and, and they're not. And, and that's, at this point, that's kind of shocking because of the, the talent that's gone through that organization in the last four or five years, including Connor McDavid, who's just come back and is playing some amazing hockey, but uh, not enough to get them into the playoff picture. Well, I think if McDavid played the whole season, it'd be a different story for Edmonton. But uh, their biggest problem is the same problem that they've had all all these years. You can have as many forwards as you want, be great, but they've got no defensemen and they've got no goaltending. You know, they they got rid of Scrivens, who played phenomenal for them last year, and put Talbot and all these other guys in there who've been okay, but not really great. And you know, the blue line for them is really that that's the their their biggest problem. And so now if, if you're Edmonton, this is really kind of the interesting it's gonna be interesting to see what they do now. I think they've they've got to move somebody, whether it's Nugent Hopkins or Yakupov or somebody, to get a defenseman. And also you're gonna be now more than likely in the top four picks next year. And the top four picks next year are all phenomenal bona fide potential star NHL players and again all forwards so if you're Edmonton what do you do yeah not only that but let's let's not forget that they've changed the draft a little bit the draft lottery and it's not as weighted towards the last place team anymore so any of those teams that finish in that four in that bottom four could get the one pick and for those that aren't familiar there's probably like Brian said there's probably four generational picks there and, and uh, everybody assumed that Austin Matthews would be the number one. He just missed being in the draft last year by three or four days, and people thought he'd be a top three pick last year. He's playing in Switzerland in a professional league against players that are far older than him and, and far wiser, and he's, he's tearing the league up. He's one of the top scorers. Uh, I think he already has 20 goals for, for Zurich. Um, but there's two guys from Finland that are chasing him. Um, there's Patrick Lane, and uh, I'm never going to say the other guy's name in a Finnish way, but it's, uh, it's Paul Jarvie is his name. And uh, they both started the World Juniors. They're both playing in the in the Finnish uh, Senior League um, against men. And then Keith Tuchuk's son, Matt Tuchuk, is playing for London and Ontario Hockey League, classic power forward like his dad. And and anybody that gets any of those four guys is going to be over the moon. But you're right. It'll be another forward in Edmonton. At some point, they're going to have to figure out how they're going to reconfigure their team. And it'll be interesting if there's a team at the deadline that decides to do that. And again, for those not familiar, the deadline uh, in the NHL, the last time that you can trade and have a player available to play in the playoffs is uh, this year is February 29th, leap day, um, and and everybody's going to have to decide what they do that day. I, I believe when that day ends, there's 40 days left in the season. Um, I, I believe that's how they figure out when that day is every year because it's a different day. Um, and that's not a lot of time, you know, to, to make a decision on, on what you're going to do, whether you're going to sell and whether you're going to buy and how those players that you need to get rid of or bring in are going to impact your team to make a run at the playoffs or to improve the team long-term. So it's always in these last two weeks from when we're talking now to when people are going to hear this podcast that will have played out, but it's always the most interesting 14 days, or as the English would say, fortnight in, in uh, the hockey season. Fortnight, come on, come on. No, none of that nonsense. Oh, you like that? That's a good soccer term. No, it's terrible. Um, 
But let me be clear, though. The Edmonton Oilers, in the future, are going to win Stanley Cups. They just have too much talent not to. Connor McDavid is way too good a player. I mean, I, I, mean, I think at this point in his career, he's way better than Sidney Crosby, if you ask me. And, I, you know, I'm a big Penguins guy. Um, so they're going to be good, yeah, but they're going to have to make some adjustments. They're going to have to get some guys on the back end, and they're going to have to get a goaltender. Yeah, and then and they're gonna have to sacrifice some of their talent to do that, but they're gonna have more talent coming in. They have other guys in the minors, um, you know, that are that are kind of banging on that door as well. So, you know, and and I think I think Peter Chiarelli, who's their who's their GM and then just kinda of took over that job and is kinda of figuring out, you know, what he was left with and, and what he could do. And then he kinda of made this transition with Boston. Um, you know, he was able to, you know, get charter and, and add that into the mix. He was able to bring in some other veteran guys. And then, you know, all those guys that were in the system came of age while he was there, the Bergerons, the Cretchies, um, all those guys. And he was able to incorporate the whole thing. So I think he understands how to build a team. Um, and I think he understands what the Oilers need. And now it's just going to be a question of, him being able to do that and, and, and figure out the one thing that they have to worry about is if they don't start moving some talent is all of that talent's going to come of age at the same time. And they're all going to be in, in, in line for big paydays. Well, and, no, they're, they're going to have to move it because there's not enough room for those guys. But I guess the, the you know, yeah. the, the problem that they have is, you know, you've got a guy like Neil Yakupov, who's the number one overall pick who has an immense amount of, of potential, but he just hasn't lived up to it partially because he's been hurt partially because, you know, he hasn't found any chemistry there. So, so he's gonna. He, they're gonna give him away to somebody who potentially could have, you know, a, a really great guy. They're probably not gonna get a lot in return. And I guess Nugent. And the other thing is, they everybody knows Nugent Hopkins is the guy that they're gonna get rid of. So it, it's gonna be difficult to get value for him too. So it's a it's a tricky situation up there. But they're gonna you know have to navigate it uh, as they navigate it. I guess. Yeah, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch not only this year but for for the next two three years. I mean, they're gonna be a team that you know, is going to be in everybody's focus for the the next little while. I mean, you know, you mentioned Sidney Crosby and that, that maybe Connor McDavid's better than Sidney Crosby. And to me, the Oilers are very much like those Penguins. You know, everybody forgets that the Penguins weren't good um, when, when Sidney came in and, and they had to build back up to become the team that they were, where they had that window where they were competing for cups every year and they're, they're hoping to get back to now. But that was a process that had to happen and it was accelerated greatly, you know, with, with, Crosby and Malkin and, and a lot of that young talent that they were able to bring in with Tang, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, even Marc-Andre Fleury to a degree, you know, that's what the Oilers have to do now. They have to figure out, you know, who are those guys that they're going to build around at each position. And then Penguins were lucky enough that they got young guys at every position that panned out. The goalie and Fleury, the defenseman and Latang, obviously the Fords and, and Crosby and Malkin. And even to a degree, I mean, they traded them and they traded them for other assets. And, and stall. So, you know, that's that's kind of what Edmonton is going to have to do now. They're going to have to find that young goalie and that young defenseman that they can, they can complement that core of forwards with and also identify the forwards that they don't need anymore and make that whole thing work. And it, it's going to be really interesting to watch. You may not notice it while it's happening because you didn't really notice the Penguins while it was happening. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is a team that could win the Cup. Yep. Uh, so now we haven't spoken since the All Star game. So what? Wait, wait, wait. 
Before we do that, we haven't spoken since the Super Bowl, and I think congratulations are in high order, my friend. Yes, thank you. The Broncos, by some miracle, won that game. I'm not sure how. Well, defense, obviously, but... They yeah. won that game because of the defense, yeah. man. That was did a- an unbelievable performance. Two weeks in a row, the same thing for the Patriots. They did the same exact thing. Although, I'll tell you what, if that Patriot game was five minutes longer, I don't know that they win it. Yeah, maybe not. Well, yeah, you're a Patriots fan, but um, <clears throat> the uh, I was. It's a little bit. It was a bittersweet only because uh, between the Bear and me are on our label. Good friends of mine are huge Panthers fans, so I kind of felt bad for them that uh, the Panthers lost. But hey, I mean, you know, great for the Broncos. Even though, you know, it's kind of one of those things where Peyton Manning got a ring, but he did really nothing at all. So yeah, it was a, no, it was a weird that's game. All, that's all he needed to do. It, it, he was like he was like Trent Dilfer. Yeah, exactly. I think Trent Dilfer was better in the game. Trent Dilfer, sorry. Yeah, yeah. See, that's how bad he was. I got his initial. I got his mixed up in his last name. I was happy for Elway because, you know, Elway put that team together. So, yeah, it was cool. I mean, they they won the Super Bowl. It's definitely pretty, pretty crazy. Okay, so Thank you. So now circle back to the NHL All-Star game. Uh, so I'm just curious as to what your take was on the whole John Scott situation. Uh, it was great. It was. It was. It ended up being perfect, right? It ended up. They're talking about making a movie out of it. So the only thing I'm disappointed about the whole thing is, is I ended up with John Scott duty during the weekend, and which was great. John is so smart and, and such a well-spoken guy, and he handled the whole situation perfectly. And for those that aren't familiar with it, John Scott is is it was playing for the Arizona Coyotes. He's, he's kind of a dying breed. He's one of the fighters that is left in the game. Six foot seven, 250 pounds. Not the greatest skater. Great teammate. We do, uh, the NHL does internet voting for the captains. He was elected captain for whatever reason. People have suggested it was as a tribute. People have suggested it was as a joke. Whatever the reason was, he was elected captain, which meant he was going to the All-Star game and he was going to be the captain of the Pacific Division. He was then traded to Montreal and sent to the minors, and there was a question about whether he'd come into the game or not. Eventually, the league said he could play in the game and he would be the captain, and he had a, a weekend he'll never forget. He did perfectly fine at the skills competition. He was in the hardest shot and uh, one other in the breakaway challenge, I think. Not the trick shot one, but the the regular, the one that ends the, the skills competition. And then in the new format, which we'll circle back and I'll talk to you about that, where we played uh, three-on-three, division against division, round robin, um, his team ended up winning the whole thing, the Pacific Division. He had two goals in the first game and then played well in the second game, which was a 1-0 game, which is unbelievable in the All-Star game. And then when it was all over, he had a press conference that uh, was, I, I thought, pitch perfect. So uh, I did a uh, talk to his wife, who happened to have been uh, nine months pregnant at the time with twins. Um, and she had come to Nashville with the two uh, young uh, girls that they already have. And I uh, spoke to her about the whole experience. It was a great story. And then I woke up on uh, Monday morning with uh, questions about how we could get to St. John's Newfoundland to cover John Scott's return to the minor league, <laughs> Montreal's minor league. Is. My wife's family is from Newfoundland. I've been there eight, nine, maybe ten times. It is God's country. And somebody was going to pay for me to go to St. John's, which is one of the great cities in all the world. And uh, I couldn't have been happier, but uh, like I mentioned, John's wife was nine months pregnant. Um, they ended up having twins later that week. He was given two weeks of uh, paternal leave, 
Um, and then he reported to St. John's this week. Um, by then, we had moved on. I'm getting ready to go to the Stadium Series games in uh, Minnesota and Denver. And my opportunity to go to St. John's went by the boards, and I was I was very uh, disappointed about that. But I, I, I thought the whole John Scott, Scott story was great, and so did everybody else. He's already been uh, he's already fielding uh, books and movie offers. And it's funny because the NHL did not want him there in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was those stories that were written. I don't know. Look, I'm not privy to those things. I, I think that there was there was some integrity issues in the vote, and and you know why he was selected to be the captain. I, I you know, the people that were behind that that said, you know, hey, this was a tribute to all the players that play that role. I think some of that was revisionist history. I think you know, in the beginning, it was you know, let's let's who's who's the player that most doesn't deserve to be there and let's put him there because we have the power to do that. Um, I think there was some of that and I think anybody that suggested there was not an element of that is, is not being completely forthright about what happened. Um, but in the end, he was, he was uh, vindicated if, 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 if to take part in it. And look, and I think the players, I think the players understood what was happening and they were going to make sure that, that John Scott was taken care of, so to speak. And, you know, I he, there were passes made to him throughout. You know, Brett Burns played with him in, in San Jose. Everybody that's ever played with John Scott loves John Scott, and that's all you need to know about him. You you can you can stand on the mountain and talk about the fact that there's no room in the game anymore for fighters and his greed is going away. But all I know as a person who covers hockey and, and who loves the game is I have never met anybody that played with John Scott that had a bad word to say about him. He's one of the greatest teammates in in, in hockey, and that's why he had a job. What? Because I... of the thing he does, he does besides for what he does on ice, he keeps the room together. He understands what his role is. And, and so guys like Brent Burns and, and those guys that were in the Pacific Division that played with him in San Jose, they love him. And, and look, the one the one vision you will always remember from that All-Star game, at least I know I will, is those guys picking John Scott up, who I mentioned earlier, is six foot seven and two hundred fifty pounds, was wearing skates and equipment, and they picked him up on their shoulders. That's how happy they were for him winning one MVP. Oh, yeah. well, and all the all the images of that All Star game have all been washed away by that one image for me. It's it's going to be iconic. Yeah, and I think also, you know, he people who watched the uh, the build up to the Stadium Series game last year saw. I mean, he was prominently displayed in that series and came off as a really fun good guy so that certainly didn't yeah, help you know people who saw that clearly like hey we like this guy so that certainly didn't yeah, hurt no, he, he understands what his role is and he understands what he's been asked to do but look at there's 700 guys that play in the NHL at any given time right there's there's 30 teams and there's 25 guys per team and that's 750 guys he played in the NHL. He played in the NHL for several years. This is the first time he's been to the minors in, in six or seven years. He is an elite, elite level hockey player. And, and he has skills that guys that are great offensive players at other levels would love to have. So there's, there's nothing there that suggests that he couldn't you know, he couldn't do the things that were going to be asked of him, maybe not at the level of an Alex Ovechkin or, or somebody like that, but he, I mean, he's the 1% when it comes to hockey players. He's the 1%. Whether his job is 
to, you know, mix it up or protect his teammates or whatever it is, he's still, at skill level, he's in the 1%. And it should, to me, that's something that should be celebrated. There you go. Well, we're running. So that's, that's, my, that's my John Scott thing. Very good. Thank you. Well, we're running out of time now. So what do you, what, wait, what did you think of the format? Um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, I, I think the problem is, you know, three on three in the regular season is phenomenally exciting. Three on three in an all-star game where those guys really don't care can get kind of boring. Some of it was fun. Um, but some of it was kind of like, eh, just, you know, they're the same thing. It was like, they weren't really trying very hard. But it's better when they're not trying very hard in that format than in a full five on five format. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm not a big fan of all star games in general, particularly because for the most part they are meaningless. And until you're like baseball, which you know isn't super great, but at least it means something in baseball. And by no means do I think that the NHL should do what baseball does and give whoever wins the the home home ice. But uh, they yeah. do have to do something to make it more in- interesting. The skills competition to me is fun. That I enjoy more than the yeah, actual game itself. Yeah, no, but I thought the game was much better. And, and look, I, I've been in hockey for 20-something years, and there is no sport because people love it so much. And, it, and there's, there's nothing casual about being a hockey fan, right? You're either in or you're out. You can be a casual football fan. You can be a casual baseball fan. But you, there are very few casual hockey fans. You're either in or out. And... Because of that, we all do a lot of naval gazing and try and figure out what's wrong with the game and criticize the game because we want it to be better. And, and so there was a lot of that last year with the All-Star game and it was too high scoring and it was, didn't represent what hockey was. And, you know, I wake up on Monday and I see the score of the NBA All-Star game. There was 300 and something points scored in that. 370 points scored in that I know, game. It's ridiculous. Well, I think you have to, like and I said, so, you, you have to be. Nobody, nobody says a word. That's, that's great entertainment. That wasn't basketball. There's no game in which 370 points are scored. So, you know, and everybody hears the complaints about the NHL version, but I, like you said, I think it's to a degree it's inherent. You're not going to have an NHL product because guys aren't going to do that. It, it's not what they should do. It's a vacation for them. Sure, but you do, you do to just to make the game interesting. I mean, look, in, as the NBA one, and again, I don't like any of these all-star games. But, you know, I mean, it's fun to see some guy put up 70 points or something ridiculous like that. It's, it's so ridiculous, it's kind of fun for the, in the NBA. But, but it's, that, it's not basketball. So if some guy scores eight goals in the NHL all-star game, instead of celebrating the fact he scored eight goals, everybody's like, well, that's not really hockey. They're not checking. They're not hitting. They're not yeah, trying. It's always going to be. It's always going to be that complaint. But I think they need to make it worth something. So uh, have the winning team gets a bunch of money that they give to a charity or, you know, give, well, give them something to play for. What's that? A million dollars, dude. They play for a million dollars. What's that? We play for the NHL play for a million dollars. John Scott's team won a million dollars. Uh, and what are they going to do with it? Uh, each one gets uh, <laughs> But play play for a million dollars, give it a charity. Because I mean, a million dollars to so they'll you know just, just divvy it up to well, all I those guys. Everybody gave to. But nobody, it's still not enough money to make them care. So I need to somehow make them care. I don't know how, but make them care. You gone? And on that note. <laughs> We lost Sean, which is good because we have to leave anyway because it's the end of our broadcast. And we will see you guys next month. Thanks.